Today on Writers Get Animated, we're doing something a little different, and we're doing something a little special. Today, we're talking about life animated. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation. And in today's episode, um, life-affirming emotional challenges um, and why we love them. Uh, I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. Uh, as Chris mentioned, today we're talking about Life Animated, which is a documentary nominated for uh, this year's Academy Awards as Best Documentary Feature. And it is based on a book by Ron Suskind called Life Animated, colon, A Story of Sidekicks, Heroes, and Autism. Uh, and this, the title of the book gives you a better idea of what we're talking about today than just saying the name of the movie. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the title of the movie makes you think of, I don't know, Waking Life or something else where it's going to be something that's animated, but it's... Yeah, I felt like it might be like a version of like the Roger Ebert documentary, but about animation when I first heard of it. But it's not. It's not. not. At all. Um, but just to do a small little global overview of why we're talking about it is it just it has animation in it. There are animated segments that tell part of a story and represent parts of the story, which we'll discuss. But there's also Disney in it, which finds a frequent place on our podcast. Yeah, we might as well be like Disney writers get animated. We, and then, you know, talk about other things here and there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's also um, another uh, um, documentaries aren't usually animated by their very nature. They're not normally animated because yeah. documentaries are supposed to document actual life, real life, something happening. And normally you don't animate things actually happening. There, there was something that was um, another animated documentary that was out there, which you made mention of. Yes, um, I actually have a copy of this movie, and I've never seen it somehow. Uh, Waltz with Bashir. It is amazing. Is it? A, you've seen it? Yes, it is remarkable. Oh, I really want to. Um, I might do that tonight. Uh, it was nominated for the Best Foreign Language Film for 2008, not even Best Animated Feature or Documentary that year. And I think we may start to see more kind of animated documentary type things because... Like memoir graphic novels are very popular, but we don't really see a lot of that in animation yet. Um, with the notable exception being Persepolis, did make the move from graphic novel to animated feature, which was and great too. Yeah, so good. One of my favorites. There, you know, it would be great. This is slightly off topic, but just not quite. Fun Home as an animated movie, but the musical version. I would totally do that, and I'm actually seeing the musical next week. I am so jealous. Two weeks ago, in terms of when this airs. I don't know. By the time everyone <laughs> else is listening to this, I will have seen Fun Home the Musical. Um, which, if you know anything about the show, I'm not a musical person, but I am an Alison Bechdel person. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> I just we just... <laughs> 
<laughs> As we were saying, there's not a lot of precedent in terms of memoir telling or documentary of incorporating animation somehow. And this, this film, animation, is very much the lifeblood of telling the story because, in a sense, it's the lifeblood of Owen Susskind, the, the person who is at the center of the story. It's his story. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney and animation is at the center of his remarkable story. And so and I think, yeah, it makes sense that it was such a big part of it. They do such a good job. I, I can't imagine that Owen himself didn't have input into terms of like what clips from Disney movies they chose at certain points. But it felt so spot on. Yeah. Let's, let's talk um, for a moment. Now that we talked about the, the overview of animation and documentary and animation and memoir, as for a little bit, let's talk about what this story actually is. Mm. So um, Life Animated, as we're saying, it's the story of Owen Susskind, um, who has autism, and it's the story of him graduating as a 23-year-old and moving into an apartment by himself. That's the big, that's where we meet Owen in the time of his life. That's where we meet, and that's the big event that we're gearing up for. But it's also the story about how Owen and Owen's family used Owen's love of Disney movies to communicate and break down the barriers that were created through um, autism and the trouble that Owen was having communicating with others and making interpersonal relationships and using Disney animation, Disney movies, lines from the movies, characters from the movies to reach across that divide and help Owen express himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I? Is that all right? Did I say do that all right? In terms I think of so. Like, I think that's a a pretty good description. It's. I mean, it's it's. A lot of the 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 background of the movie that they talk about of like Owen's family learning how to reach out to him and talk to him. It's. It's it's kind of like you're watching a movie where a family, um, has a child and that child doesn't speak the same language and they're trying to figure out what that language is and they essentially find it that the language is Disney movies and dialogue and scenes from Disney movies um, which is very emotional because I think anyone who loves Disney can relate at least a little bit to that mm-hmm. it, like we've all been at the point where like we're in life and suddenly it hits you like this exact moment is like this Disney movie and you keep that inside because you're thinking it but you don't want to say it. Right. And that that's all that Owen experienced, at least up until a certain point. And one thing my wife said at the end is, you know, we communicate by saying movie quotes to each other, or usually it's quotes from The Simpsons or Futurama, to be honest. <laughs> but, but we have a language between the two of us. Um, what was going on for the longest time for Owen is it was the language that he had for himself. 
and other people finally got got in to tap it to talk with him. They have lots of scenes of before very stressful situations. Mm-hmm. You see Owen pacing, and you hear him saying lines or doing something. And you can't quite make them out all the time, but you see that he's expressing something. And it's like he's not just use it's not just a way of communicating to Owen between the two of them. It's also Owen trying to make sense of what's happening internally and also externally. And either getting the courage or talking himself down or finding different ways. But it's just a lot of the things that we internalize, he is dredging that up and bringing that out and it's coming out and being expressed aloud in physicality. And it's just really, I don't know, it was really raw and it was moving to see. Just the... yeah. Because then you start to think about maybe I've seen somebody doing the same thing mm-hmm. somewhere. And then you don't judge that person for talking to themselves. You don't know what they're going through. And you don't know what they're trying to do through their behavior. Their behavior is trying to get them to over. I don't want to say overcome in the same way, but it's trying to, to understand. Right. They're trying to get through life the same way we're all trying to get through life. If you have no personal experience with autism or anyone on the spectrum, I highly encourage you to watch this movie because I think it is very insightful, especially for something that not everyone has contact with. Right. Um, yeah. And it is, it is emotional. I did promise it, there are, there are laughs as well. You laugh and you cry. Yeah. There, <laughs> with these people. There's at least one big laugh. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Walt, I think. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> See? Walt, who, is, who is Owen's brother. Owen's um, who's o- basically just the best brother ever. Yeah. <laughs> just how how is he going to help Owen get through all the things that Owen has to work out? Because there's not a Disney movie answer for every situation in life for adults. And that's something um, some of the reviews talk about as well. Um, there's lots of glowing positive reviews this movie. And there's lots of reviews that also are more critical of the movie. But in terms of reading the more critical reviews, it's like they don't understand the subject matter of the movie, I think. Um, there's one that struck me from the New York Post. Uh, Life animated oversimplifies a situation contriving to use endless clips from Disney movies to make a case that movie magic really can better people's lives. Unfortunately, by the end of the movie, it's clear that Disney can't help Owen negotiate sex, breakups, or many other challenges he faces as an adult. Like, I... This this documentary is not about Disney movies and movie magic making people's lives better. It's about, that's the language that Owen speaks. Right. It's what they forget... And I think we all forget. And okay, I'm going to say this about myself real quick. Just to, uh, in watching this movie, it hit me on three different levels. It hit me as a parent, because um, I think when we're watching it, when we see a movie, 
from one parent to another, just start to see similarities that all parents have the same fears, no matter how your child communicates um, or how your child, what language your child uses, you have the same fears. Will my child be able to be independent? What happens if I'm not around? What happens if I can't protect my child? So we all have these, these fears. So I watched it as a parent. I was also watching it as a lover of Disney movies <laughs> and a person who is very jealous that he met Jonathan Freeman and Gilbert <laughs> Gottfried. Like I was seething in jealousy and I felt really bad. Like, oh, he met, oh. Like the moment Gilbert Gottfried came on, I'm like, oh, game over. Owen wins. Owen wins. Yep. So, um, and then... The, the third thing is because of my day job. So as a writer, since this is Writers Get Animated, as a writer, my day job is not writing um, in the <laughs> same, not writing creatively, I'll say that. Um, I work for the State of Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities. And I'm a, I, I work on the training. And so I've read a lot of the training materials that goes out to help people who act as direct service providers to people with developmental disabilities. So on different things like trauma-informed care or employment navigation or community integration, all these things that people do are person-centered planning. And so when, while I was watching this film, I was seeing the service happening for, for Owen and his family and his team and everything that was going through. And I was seeing it, and I would have to pause it and explain to my wife, this is my job. Like, this is the stuff that I, I don't have direct experience with people with developmental disabilities in my day-to-day -day work. But all the theory and all the training and all the everything that we're trying to do, I see that on a daily basis. So just pausing that and explaining, oh, this is this is his team meeting. This is the person-centered planning. And that's a long way to get to say this. What we tend to forget about people with developmental disabilities is that they're individuals. Mm -hmm. We don't we don't often offer them the same understanding that we would do somebody without developmental disabilities, which is they have their own likes, they have their own dislikes, they have their own personalities, they have their own things that they love, their own ways of communicating. And no, there's not one thing that will open them all up. It's not like a Disney movie is going to work for everybody with autism. Mm -hmm. It's... That was what worked for Owen. Owen Susskind. That's it. That's all the movie is trying to make a statement of. For Owen Susskind, this particular story, Disney movies opened him up. So it's not saying, you know, wrongly what the New York Post is trying to say, is that Disney movies will fix autism in some way, or Disney movies will create a bridge to people with autism. It's not saying that at all. It's saying at the heart of it, look at what they are interested in, 
look at them as individuals, as people with desires and loves and hopes and interests, and activate those interests. Talk to them about what they're interested in, and that will be what unlocks them. And if after watching this movie, you do want to learn more about both that general process of identifying what someone's interested in to help them unlock what's inside um, and more background of the actual story itself. Lifeanimated.net does contain resources um, kind of about this interest-based communication. Um, And it is more generic. They say like for Owen, this is what we used, um, but you should find what works for each person. And I think that's Mm -hmm. not as explicitly stated in the documentary, but it doesn't need to state that it's not about everyone. It's about Owen. Right. And the moment that you think that, oh, maybe we should just f- force feed people with autism Disney movies until we could have a, a common language with them, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's about the individual. It's about that specific person. Learn what that person loves and go and interact with that person on that level through their own terms. Like the moment, yeah. the moment that hit me the most is when um, Ron Susskind, the father, tells the story of the Iago puppet. Oh, I was, I had to pause a bit. I was crying. Where he sees Owen sitting there on his bed and sees the puppet of Iago, the parrot from Aladdin, puts the puppet on and puts on I would say uh, uh, an amazing Gilbert Gottfried impression. Let's just say <laughs> that right there. Amazing Iago voice and just asks, and asks him, you know, when did you and I become such good friends? And Owen talked back. And as a background, they hadn't spoken to Owen. Or they hadn't had a conversation with Owen in four years at that point. Right. They had not heard a word from their son in four Four years. That wasn't some kind of gibberish in some sense. They talked about he would say nonsense, he would just make sounds, and it wouldn't be words. Mm-hmm. And to have this be a moment of, I just had a conversation with him. It just, it, it ruined me. I just. Uh, yeah. I think what really got to me is that the, the first conversation was, or the, the first part that, that Ron relates is like he has Iago puppet on and says like, why are you sad? And Owen says like, oh, because I don't have any friends. And to be the first conversation you have with your child in four years being them saying like, I'm lonely and don't have friends, like that's really hard. I'm crying a little bit right now thinking about it. And the fact that he told himself like, nope, stay in character, don't don't drop it. Don't become dad and go, oh, it's okay. Oh, you know, don't mm-hmm. just... Stay Gotta in, be Iago. Stay, stay as Iago and play the. It's not. It wasn't a game, but stay in that character and keep having that conversation to keep him talking and see what you could uncover, see what you could unlock. It was just powerful. And the moment where they realized, um, Juicer Voice, Juicer mm-hmm. Juicer Voice, where Owen just kept saying Juicer Voice, Juicer Voice, and they couldn't. They were asking, you know, do you want juice? Like, what do you want? They like, couldn't understand what he was saying. And then they were watching The Little Mermaid. And there's the Ursula line in Poor Unfortunate Souls where Ursula says, it won't cost much. 
just your voice. And he rewound it and it played it again. And he rewound and one rewound it and played it again. And then suddenly they understood and they said, just your voice. And he, there was this light on that, yes, that's what I was saying. That's what I was talking about. Those moments, they were just so strong. And the fact that they had it from, were able to use the, the scene from the Disney movies to express mm -hmm. that. And anything that they couldn't, didn't have a Disney movie from, anytime they were going into the past, it was either home movie or if these really seminal moments were done in animation. Yeah. There's, there's three kinds of animation in this movie. There are clips from Disney movies. There's the home movie replacement where you're not recording an emotional breakthrough moment <laughs> with your video camera in the early 90s. So you <laughs> animate the story as it's being told. Um, and then there's kind of the movie within a movie, um, the protector of the sidekicks, which is a story that Owen wrote um, as a child, uh, which also fits into the emotional spectrum of the movie. And I must commend, I imagine Disney must have consented to all these clips being used and audio clips. And I am proud of them for letting this content be used to help tell the story. They did. I looked it up after it because um, I, I had to find out like, like there's Disney is so protective of their property that a movie can't just go, well, it's just, there's so much, there are so many clips. It is so prevalent that Disney had to have given their permission. And they actually talked about it. Um, there was a Q&A, I think, in, and I'll, I'll put this as a, as a link in our show notes at our Tumblr, as we do every time. Um, they talked about, here, here's the quote from the director. Quote, Disney very much controls their intellectual property, so it was a process that took a year and a half of really cultivating a relationship led by Sean Bailey, the president of Walt Disney Studios Motion Picture Production, and Carrie Putnam from Sundance, who introduced me to Sean. I had been shooting a while, and my producer and I went out and presented to all the different heads of Disney in one room. I was a nervous wreck going in. I had brought some clips of Disney Club, which I'll just stop for a second. Disney Club is something that Owen creates with his friends where they watch clips from Disney movies and then discuss what the meaning behind those things. And they have live music. I want to be a part of Disney Club. It's so good because it's it's not just a program made, made for people helping the, the people in the, the school with developmental disabilities. It's a club by the people with developmental disabilities where they're discussing how it relates to them. Yeah. That's so cool. Relates to them in their personal lives. Like, why is this important to us, to me, to now? Um, anyway, back to the quote. <laughs> so it says, I, I showed them graduation. I showed them various clips of the film. And by the end, when the lights came up, they were in tears. They knew the animated films they created were hugely popular, but they didn't know they were changing lives like this that they were touching people and really helping this person connect to the world. So how could they say no? Um, I really love the way they use the clips as well. There's occasionally, if they're referencing a specific clip, they'll show the clip, like one of the first ones, the first movie they put in and show Owen putting in is Peter Pan. 
um, at the beginning of the movie and the Peter Pan part about like, no, I don't want to grow up. And of course it's introducing like he's graduating and that's a little scary, Mm -hmm. but other times when they just, they use the magic of documentary and choosing what clips you're going to show to magically make the character air quote character shut up and feel things. (laughs) (laughs) They kind of show what's happening in Owen's head because if it's a moment of, fear they kind of go through the canon of disney that owen knows and find all the three second clips from all the movies that show fear and kind of show like the vocabulary that may be in owen's head at that moment that he's experiencing so you get like nine disney clips in a row that are the most fearful moments from bambi lion king little mermaid um aladdin just boom 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 you're like wow that's a lot that's a lot to feel at one moment mm-hmm and, the and they fa- do that several times. And it's it's done so fast, and it feels just a rush. They're able to activate, one, your memory of those movies, but mm-hmm. two, the art from those movies, because the art is ve- speaks very strongly in those moments. Um, it's just very powerful. I mean, I do remember there was this scene of Bambi um, in ba- when Bambi's mother gets shot. And Spoilers. You- I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to give spoilers for Bambi's mother um, getting killed. Um, so they, it's just this idea of you're going to be out on the, on the meadow and you're going to be unprotected. And this idea of you'll be without your parents, you'll be unprotected. And one, it made me remember just how much, I, how much time they, the animators and the original creators of that film spent on this very emotional moment of Bambi, like three minutes looking for his mother again. And that we know as an audience what happened, but we have to watch and feel as Bambi recognizes that Bambi's alone. You can hear the tears on Chris's voice right now. Oh gosh. So they, as I said, way back when we talked about shows from 2016 or movies from 2016, you know, having a character shut up and feel things take the time and they used enough of that clip in this documentary to show us and to give the moment to stay inside of Owen's head a little bit more. It's a common language. Enough of us have seen that either seen that scene and know what that scene is about. So it little serves you a little um, fast acting emotional capsule (laughs) of, I took that now I now I'm right there immediately. You, mm-hmm. you hear that music of Man in the Forest and you, you're right there immediately with what Owen's. And then you, you juxtapose that with Owen watching it and what Owen must be feeling and going through. And you're right there. You understand the vocabulary and you're right there. So they use it to get inside of the head of Owen and to also... I think in some way show that this this is how intense it is. Mm-hmm. This um, this is how intense this th- thing is to us or to to Owen. This is the intensity at which Owen is feeling this moment. And there's there's good ones that too. It's not just fear. It's there's there's one that's a montage of Disney characters kind of growing up or coming into their own. I think specifically of like Simba going to the 
top of Pride Rock to roar at the end of the movie is one of the the clips in that one. Yes, it is. That's I think that's the last one that it ends on is just the most epic, strong walking one. Mm-hmm. So it, it's powerful and good and positive and negative ways. Uh, and something else I appreciate is they use more of that at the beginning of the documentary, I think. And as they get into the middle of Owen's story, they use more the film within a film, The Protector of Sidekicks, which is an animation of Owen's story. So it's kind of going from the Disney vocabulary that he had to then him kind of shaping a new vocabulary with his version of the characters. Mm-hmm. Where he, he sees himself as the protector of these sidekicks who don't have a hero mm-hmm. where he sees himself as the hero, but not in the same way that we would see a hero. He sees himself as almost like a sidekick friend, like the lead sidekick in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. But to have this drawing book full of just drawings of every single sidekick. And then it was interesting that when they chose which, sidekicks to animate i wonder if they talked to owen about which ones were the most important ones to have i think they must have iago was definitely in there iago iago blue yeah that's one iago um blue they definitely had um they had the rabbit from home on the range i was wondering where that was from yeah it took me a moment i was like wait oh it's the rabbit from Home on the Range with because he that, had a little bandana. That's like bandana. the one modern Disney movie that I haven't seen, so I should backtrack and do that. I don't know if you have to do that, but for uh, research, just for to research. say I've seen it all. Okay, yeah. so um, they had them, but also Rafiki and some of the big ones that you you would think to have, but also why certain ones got chosen, you know, to to be shown in animation. Um, but I also like that they were off model enough that they could just animate it and feel like it's a child's drawing of that character come to life, but close enough that you knew exactly who they were representing with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, and that, that animation what, uh, that story that's told, it's a very frightful story. It's, it's animated dark, and it's, it is frightening. It's worrisome. And to think that this is a story that Owen wrote to explain what he was going through while he was being bullied. I th- the one thing that I like that they changed in that um, is the villain that he made up, Fuzzbutch. And kind of the, the Owen version of Fuzzbutch is very much like a child's drawing like a bad character it's kind of comical and if they just straight up adapted that into this animation i don't think it would have been as effective so they kind of adapted fuzzbutch into being this more much more dark character that like you as an adult could be a little afraid of it's it's like the true nature of fuzzbutch mm-hmm. i think so well done i think it it brought to me, veins of the Horned King from Black Cauldron. It's like that level, but scarier than the Horned King in Black Cauldron, if that's possible <laughs> to be scarier than the Horned King in Black Cauldron. If anything is, that, 
that representation of that. But you see the emotional demon and that he sees himself as the protector of these characters from this demon-ish character. So that animation was frightful and scary and I the story that they told with it just it was really I mean I would watch that short and I think on the on one DVD they have that as its own separate short as mm. a special feature um which I did not there's much more to it isn't there Yeah there is I think it's like an 8 minute long short so um just having that but I the animation in it 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 felt in some ways it felt very realistic in some ways it felt like a watercolor um painting it it brought to me mind um i'm i'm wondering if any of it was done with rotoscoping i was just there's just a feeling of it that felt very i'm trying to think of um the the short that it reminded me of the richard williams short that from last year from the Academy Awards. What what was that one called? Oh, Prologue. Prologue. So it, it felt a little bit like the style of Prologue. It felt very much... I enjoyed that there was a very low amount of color. It felt more like charcoal drawings come to yeah. life, pencil, graphite, instead of colorful cell drawings. It felt very manufactured with your fingers instead of shiny and clean and neat it felt very smudgy and i like the art direction on it so because this is a documentary film and documentaries are about the audience reaction um after seeing life animated what if anything do you feel compelled to do and that may not be like as much of um being being active or doing something kind of activist in your career and otherwise but what do you feel compelled to do or to feel in your life after watching this movie it reinforces the idea of you can't take any one person at face value mm -hmm. you can't you can't take a person's behavior or how they're how they're acting what they're saying at face value you can't judge somebody based on that um if if you or i or somebody had seen let's say you were on the subway and owen was there and owen was nervous about something so he started quoting disney movies to himself out loud on a corner of the subway. I most of us experiencing that may make a judgment about that person. Mm -hmm. As opposed to from you know for me being a person who could say the next line of dialogue to that person. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's that there's that obvious there's that disconnect that we get because of someone is behaving not like the societal idea of normality in certain situations and because they're not experiencing their life silently or because they're not experiencing their fear internalized 
because they're not experiencing their everything that they're feeling in a way that makes everyone else comfortable, we start to judge that person's expression. And I think it makes me just a little bit personally more aware of watching those judgments and being careful of what that person is. We, you often hear, you don't know what that person's going through, which is and that's really true here. Which is really true here. And but I, th I think that's a little bit of it's not. And this comes a lot from trauma informed care. And there are lots of different kinds of trauma. There's big T trauma and there's lowercase t trauma and trauma of being bullied because um, Owen was bullied in high school. It's also the trauma of feeling like you're an other. It's the trauma of feeling like you can't express yourself. Feeling of, I can't have a friend. It's the feeling of nobody likes me for me. Or the trauma of, I don't know how to get this across to you. I can't communicate with you. There's all those can add up. All those tiny little moments of trauma can add up and become as if it were what we would consider capital T trauma. Mm -hmm. and, and so if we assume and that people have been through things and that what their, their behavior is what they have to do to get through and deal with that trauma in whatever way possible. I do things, my behavior is to do things based on whatever trauma I felt. And I don't think we afford everyone that we meet with that same understanding that what they're doing, their behavior is not necessarily based on being a problem or being a worry or, you know, all these words that come to mind of they're not normal or things like that. And that's just intensely, intensely wrong. Their behavior is based on what they have to do to go on, what they have to do to, in some ways, survive what they're feeling. And so I think that's the important thing that if we don't go out and do anything else, if we just go out and stop judging people on that kind of behavior or on behaviors that we don't understand mm -hmm. personally. If we just stop making those judgments like that in our life, I th it, it'll be a little bit easier if we could just open up and understand that that person is an individual. And heck, they might love the same things that you love and you would never know. And this movie is the joyful celebration of how much improvement and how far that attitude has gone to improve Owen's life. Mm -hmm. He's improved himself. His family has helped improve. And he can, at the end of the film, more or less live fairly independently and mm -hmm. communicate with the world. He gives this speech at the end to a convention in Paris, France. Is it in Paris? No, it's just in France. It's just Other in France. France. Other yeah. France. He gives a speech in front of a, a convention in France um, about the kind of 
care that he has received and the strategy that his family has taken with him. And that's really amazing. Like, hearing the story of, like, four-year-old Owen, you would not have guessed that 20 years later he'd be doing addressing, that. Addressing people, researchers, um, to, to them in a foreign country at a conference. And looking at that environment, I probably would have thrown up. Like that's that's what my my body would have done. I would have thrown up. I would have hidden behind the podium and turn, you know, pretended to drink drink some water, but really hiding so that I can pep talk myself to give a speech, because it was a very intimidating. And the movie, to its credit, leaves a huge amount of time between the moment that we're expecting Owen to speak. And the moment that he actually does speak, mm-hmm. it, it feels like 15 to 20. I know it's not 15 to 20 minutes of the movie, but it feels like such a long, like, oh my gosh, is he going to do it? Is he going to say it? Is he? And you just see this, they just let that moment stay. And you see other people's faces, and you even hear somebody like, <clears throat> like cough, and yeah. you're just waiting for him to speak. And, and I think you you are as an audience member so invested in that moment and worried about him and you see yourself in that position because this documentary does such a good job and I think all good documentaries that are about someone who's different than you should be, they make you envious of that person early on and they make you want to be that person no matter how different they may be. And I think this, you mentioned it before and this is my favorite thing, it's the surprise Gilbert Gottfried appearance at their final Disney club. Oh, yeah. That makes you want to be Owen. You see his excitement in meeting this hero who's voiced one of his best friends. I'm getting teary-eyed again. Yeah. Um, like you see, then you're like, I want that. I want to be Owen experiencing that. And you get that early on, so the later struggles that he has, you see yourself, you're more likely to see yourself in his position. I mean, it's such a surprise. It was... Um my wife was making the joke. She went to go get the popcorn that we were, um, she, we get, she got hungry in the middle. She's like, I need to go get something to eat. So she made some popcorn and she got up to get it. She's like, Owen's doing a really good Gilbert Gottfried. I'm like, yeah, he is. And I looked at, and then all of a sudden you hear like this line. I'm like, wow, that was like spot on. That was, and then like, oh my God, no, it is Gilbert Gottfried. And it's just this like shock. And you, for a Disney fan, just to have that character say the the next line just from another room and just enter, just the shock that Owen felt was a shock that I felt, and I probably would have been dumbfounded if that had ever happened at my Disney club if I had you know had a Disney club. But um, note to Chris: start Disney club. I know, I know. That's our next podcast: Disney Club on Writers Get Animated. It's just going to be a re-edit of our entire run of this podcast, but just the Disney parts. <laughs> Easy done. It, it podcasts itself. With a new introduction. <laughs> Disney Club. Uh, no, I just... I'm, I was compelled to look at more about Owen and personally. I wanted to learn more about him personally and his family personally. I didn't... Um, in my day job, it, it, it makes me excited about the work that I do. Good. Um, in terms of 
continuing with person-centered planning and making sure that people look at the each individual and not try to find the one thing that's going to fix anyone. It's not a universal blanket. It's an individualized blanket. You know, I can't think of another word than blanket. So I just an said individualized it. blanket. <laughs> well, it's a it's an individualized way of communicating. It's not a king Don't, size blanket. It's a twin size blanket. Right. It's it's the one thing. It, it's it's paying attention to the individual, and it's like the it's the most fundamental for anyone. It's look at that person as a person who has wants and needs and they are who they are and just reach to them where they are mm-hmm. and that can be a blanket statement not just about people with developmental disabilities but about everyone mm-hmm. meet the person where they are maybe yeah. starbucks I needed to watch this movie. I think now where we are, I needed to watch this movie. I'm so glad. I felt very happy watching this. I think I'd heard of it vaguely before. Mm -hmm. And when it got the nomination, I'm like, well, this is called Life Animated. Our podcast is Writers Get Animated. We should watch this movie. So (laughs) anything else that you want to say? I know you said your favorite thing, but is there anything else you wanted to say? Um... I don't have anything else off the top of my head. I feel like we've covered so much. Um, if you do want to learn more, now I'm, I'm trumpeting for the movie now as well. Like I said, if you do want to learn more, you go to lifeanimated.net uh, to learn more about their project and care plan um, and what's going on. Or if you want more detailed versions, and I've heard there's a lot more in uh, Ron Suskind's 2014 book, Life Animated, colon, A Story of Sidekicks, Heroes, and Autism. So those are your calls to action to do more today. Absolutely. Oh, I didn't say my favorite thing. Yeah, you should share your favorite thing. Uh, I think my favorite thing was the Iago puppet. Yeah. I had trouble getting that sentence out. I Just that, that was just everything. That just uh, was so much. It was so, it was such a loving, daring act. And it just... Uh. It's very emotional. Um, as I've gotten older, the best documentary feature category of the Academy Awards has become one of my favorite categories, and I'm not ashamed of that. Um, we're obviously not going to talk about the rest in this podcast because we're animation, and we're not endorsing maybe this film over any others. I am going to watch the rest, and I'm glad that this one is a very much a happy emotional because I think the rest are going to be very like sad and hating myself emotional. <laughs> <laughs> looking at some of the other names of the documentaries, which I'm going to watch them all and they're all going to be amazing. And I will be more happy crying during life animated than all the sad crying. I'll do the rest of the time. <laughs> so thank you to the creators of life animated. And thank you to Owen for sharing your story. And mm-hmm. that was very brave. We appreciate sharing that story. Absolutely. So good. So should we talk about homework time for next time? Yes, let's.
for next time, your homework, there are five, five animated shorts nominated for Best Animated Short Academy Awards. They are Piper, which is the Pixar short from before Finding Dory, Pearl, I don't know as much about the rest of these, uh, Pear Cider and Cigarettes, and they're not all P-themed, there's some Bs, Blind Vashia, and Borrowed Time. Which I have seen. I've seen Borrowed Time. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I have seen Pearl already, because that was with the animated show shows, mm. with the animation show shows. I've seen so we have a different mix. Piper and Borrowed Time. So, good. Um, the cool thing about these shorts, they are usually shown together. If you go to shorts.tv, the website, um, they do showings of the various animated shorts and the live action shorts too. But the ones that we care about are the animated ones. So you can actually see a showing where they play all of them together, check your location and see where they're showing it, and try to see them all for next time, because we certainly will. Or if you are not in a place to do it, the animated shorts typically have like two-minute trailers available online now. So you can at least watch the trailer, the two-minute trailer for a five-minute short. <laughs> and get a little bit of the story from that. Yeah, just saying. Awesome. Um, as always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Coutinho, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Catch us on the web on Twitter, at WG Animated, Facebook.com slash WG Animated. Also, you can get show notes, and we will give links to um, anything that we can find on Life Animated at writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love you for it. We appreciate it so much. And we'll um, see you next time. I don't know why I said it. We'll see you next time. I don't know. I felt weird saying it. I'm sorry. See you next time. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.